May I speak in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Occasionally, um, when watching the television in the evening, I um, reach across for my coffee and sit on the remote control. And suddenly, I'm in the midst of a completely different story, which, um, if I don't quite realise what I've done, is extremely confusing. Um, In the midst of... uh, his dark materials, suddenly we move into a detective story and um, uh, I'm sufficiently vague on a Sunday evening not quite to notice. Um, It seems as if uh, that's what's happened in our Gospel reading this morning, as if St Luke suddenly um, lost one or two pages and the tone of his Gospel has changed very considerably, certainly from the texts we've read during most of the rest of the year in this year of Luke. Jesus talks about destructions, plagues, disasters, war. What on earth are we to make of this passage? Well, like the whole of Scripture, it's very important to read this passage in its context as part of a wider story. Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, as the story continues, has just made a triumphant entry into Jerusalem, cheered by the crowds. He's come to the temple which is by far the most important institution of the Jewish faith at the time. And he has um, astonishingly, angrily, and even violently overturned all the banks. The word for table in Greek also means bank, and it's referring to bankers that Jesus overturns their table, their tables, um, then as now, uh, probably charging excessive fees near tourist destinations for changing money. Everyone had to change their Roman coinage into temple coinage in order to have anything done in the temple. You couldn't give a priest a Roman coin. Mind you, I'll take anything. So Jesus throws out the bankers. He then is highly critical of the temple clergy. Um, In a passage that's slightly uncomfortable for me to read, who behold, I'm wearing um, clothes with long fringes and I'm sitting in the seat of honour in the cathedral... Uh, Jesus is bitterly, bitterly condemnatory of pompous religious leaders. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love to be greeted with respect and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. 
hard words for clergy then and now. And then Jesus notices a widow coming and putting just a few coins, a few pence, into a collection box and says that she has done a greater thing than the rich man standing near her. So Jesus has attacked commercial life in the bankers, clergy and religious leaders, and the rich. He has called all three groups out. That's the context of this strange reading. And then Jesus goes on to give a, um, we might feel, almost lurid description of a society breaking apart, broken apart by illness, by violence and war, by a sort of natural disaster. And very oddly, he says in the midst of it, you must be unprepared, unprepared for all of this disaster. What can he mean? Well, the context of this reading shows us what he means. Soon after Jesus has uttered these words, he's betrayed in the garden, arrested and crucified. And Jesus says, be unprepared and God will protect you. Evidently, of course, God did not protect him. Jesus is saying that despite the chaos of the world around us, despite the violence of the rich, the cruelty of people in our commercial life, the absurd hypocrisy of clergy, despite the breaking apart of our society, the threat of natural violence such as the floods we've had. Despite all this, our task as Christians is to remain faithful. Faithful to our task of loving one another, loving our neighbor, loving ourselves, loving our God. It's very tempting in these circumstances to feel that we need to stretch out in a new direction, tear down everything we've done, and say, all of it's a mistake. Um, it gives us a sense when we are, we're frightened about what's happening, making sort of grand decisions and big gestures gives us a sense that we're doing something. But Jesus says, no. Your task as Christians is to remain true to the core teaching I have given you. The person who was the Chancellor of Germany 
immediately after the war, Konrad Adenauer gave extraordinary witness to what it mean, might mean to live in this way, to focus on what is true as a Christian. He had had a terrible time during the Second World War in Germany, um, refusing to engage the Nazi party. He had a very bleak and difficult war. And then, quite unexpectedly, as one of the very few German politicians who was absolutely had not colluded with the Nazi party, and, by the way, was not communist, quickly became Chancellor of the New Germany and gradually had to rebuild, trying to set up a German defence force that was free of Nazism, rebuild belief in a civic life, introduce a new German constitution, reconstruct German industry, German universities, the education system, and deal with the extraordinary legacy of violence given to him and terrible evil. He, is, he was truly a remarkable person. What's more remarkable was that just as he was about to retire, he was asked by Billy Graham that remarkable evangelist. He was asked by Billy Graham, what would he do, what would Conrad... Billy Graham asked Conrad Adenauer what he was going to do in retirement. He'd taken up the role of Chancellor of Germany already when he was in his mid-70s, so when he retired he was in his later 80s, I think. This is what Conrad Adenauer said. which I've been unable to memorise. Here we are. Um, I will find the evidence and live by the only hope of Europe. I wish to find the evidence, live by and present to others the only hope for Europe. And um, he was then questioned further, what is this only hope? I presume, or rather Billy Graham presumed, that this only hope was the European economic community or common market. Um, and Adenauer was silent and then said, Mr. Graham, the only hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is indeed alive, there is hope for Europe. If Jesus Christ is in the grave, then there is no hope on the horizon. As he talked, it became clear that the passage we have just read sustained Conrad Adenauer throughout his life. It gave him a way of steering through life. 
in the extraordinary violence and fear that he'd lived through and resisted, and then in the terrible task, uh, frightening task of rebuilding Germany, which he did with extraordinary power, he said, the only thing that can guide a politician, in his view, is hope in God and the core values of our faith. What does it mean to hope in Jesus Christ today? What does it mean to love our neighbor today in these circumstances? That is what kept Konrad Adenauer clear through all that he suffered and led. Well, if this sustained the president, the chancellor, of the new Germany. Let it also sustain us. Let us take courage in times of confusion and fear and loss. We can, we do, we can be unprepared because we can trust always in the core things that Jesus taught us. Love God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And put your hope in God, in Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Whatever befalls us, this will always guide us into truth and life and hope.